Welcome to the Design Build Institute of America's Design Build Delivers podcast. I'm Kim Wright at DBIA's national headquarters. Today, we talk to two experienced pros in the federal market about the implementation of historic infrastructure investment and its importance for design build teams. Laura Stagner is a former assistant commissioner at GSA who played a vital role in delivering infrastructure investment projects during the last major program in 2009. She has unique insights into the role design build can play in today's IIJA implementation. Tom Carmel also has decades of experience delivering federal projects at the Pentagon, Veterans Affairs, and more. As the president of TDK Consulting, his work specializes in health system design and infrastructure strategies. But before we get started, DBIA offers our special thanks to USCAD for partnering with us to bring you this year's episodes of Design Build Delivers. Now, let's get the conversation started with Laura Stagner and Tom Kermel. Thanks so much to Laura and Tom for joining us today. Um, we're going to start this federal market conversation off with the, the obvious place, which is infrastructure investment. Obviously, this is a huge opportunity, historic opportunity for cities and states and communities and even design build teams, too. You know, I say it's important for design build teams. Why do we say that? Why do we think that this particular legislation like this is so important to design build teams? Well, um, I'll start by saying that even before the infrastructure bill was signed, um, the construction markets were uh, challenged. You know, there were labor shortages, there are supply chain issues. Um, it is no, there is no question that the infrastructure investment is needed. It just comes into a construction market that has already got many, many challenges. And I say that because that, that is kind of why design build is a uniquely good answer because design using design build, using the uh, ability to form the team early, make design and construction decisions early, buy early packages, um, that allows a, a, an owner to get ahead of some of the supply chain issues, get ahead of some of the market price increases, lock-in prices before they you know, continue to rise. And it allows design build teams and owners to also take advantage of things like offsite and modular construction, prefab, things that can be done elsewhere and shipped to the site. Um, where perhaps there is a labor market, you know, built where there's perhaps a labor market more adapted to that, and then shipped to the site to be assembled. So, design build is truly one of the one of the good ways to kind of get in front of uh, the work that needs to be done. Yeah, and let me uh, let me play off of that a little bit. The the requirements for what goes in these infrastructure packages, if you will. Um, are going to vary um, in terms of not only their size, but their description. And design build allows some of that development work that it precedes the actual construction to be part of the team's uh, early involvement, right? We've talked a lot about at some forums about this concept of alternate acquisition strategies. Well, design build is probably the most mature because people have done it, um, especially on the, the, the horizontal side. 
Um, a lot of municipalities and states are using it to, to get away from the liability that they have in doing a traditional design bid build procurement. So some of the procurement strategies that we're seeing are, uh, as Laura suggested, get ahead of the game early, get your packages uh, procured because the sooner you can buy things, the more sure you are going to be about the price going forward, especially some of these high-end components. We've seen some of that work, but but fundamentally, um, as an alternate acquisition strategy, design build helps owners shift risk to um, to the marketplace, to the design build team, uh, but it also allows early information to be produced to get the the price in line and get the schedule straight. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition for uh, talent uh, in the industry. So those teams that have that talent already or have worked together before, there's a lot of opportunities, I think, for for those teams to get ahead of the game here. Um, that reminds me, I've heard you you two talk before about this is this is about, you know, look, owners looking for a solution, not just looking for someone to build a project. I think that hits, that's, that's key, right? It is. Let me start this one, Laura. Um, so uh, a lot of agencies, uh, frankly, are um, challenged with the same thing that the AEC industry is. They're looking for talent. They're looking for people that can conduct these kinds of behind the scenes activities to come in line with estimates, budgets with requirements, definition. These key elements are the stuff that makes a procurement happen. And uh, the more we partner with industry as part of the, the federal or state or local apparatus, uh, the better off we're gonna be in building a trust relationship, but also in um, helping to define these requirements so they can be built. That's a key. Right. Uh, you got to get the budget going to get the budget going. You got to get an estimate to get an estimate. You got to know what you're doing. And uh, the further up the food chain in the in the process, teams can migrate, the better off owners will be in being able to not only articulate their requirements, but budget for them and then start execution. So um, these these strategies uh, are now starting to be talked about. They used to be unusual, and now they're becoming more routine because of the ability for the procurement machine to act proactively. I would also say that you know, in a market like this, where there is so much competition um, for talent, uh, for good for good talent, owners really need to need to position themselves as an owner of choice, which is to say, um, it, design bid bill is, is, is not a choice that positions you that way. It's litigious. Most, most in the industry understand it that way, experience that way, don't like it. Um, design build and other alternative delivery methods actually position you better to be an owner of choice to attract top talent so that you can get the benefits of uh, getting ahead of the market and all of the other things that Tom talked about. 
Are you interested in sustainable design and construction practices but concerned about profitability? US CAD, a Venzero company, helps forward-thinking ENR top-ranked AEC firms mitigate risk and drive profit through digitalization using Autodesk AEC technology. To learn more, contact uscad.com slash DBIA for a free 30-minute consultation. That's uscad.com slash DBIA. There seems to be two, there may have been some lessons learned for owners and teams both as we went through COVID. I mean, that, that was a probably a very long lesson learned, but are there things that actually position um, both the industry and agencies to potentially seize the moment because of what we learned maybe during COVID? That going back to that creativity and the collaboration and the, kind of changing the way we think. I think so. Um, the The best example is uh, is certainly out on the wire out there, but you know the national effort to build these alternate healthcare facilities in places where you don't have a hospital that um, that approach, not the outcome necessarily, but the approach that these teams made in an urgent way, is kind of a bellwether for. Uh, the kind of business collaboration that needs to happen with teams. So the lesson I think we can take out of COVID is a sense of urgency, a sense of team work, a sense of all hands on deck. And, and by that, I don't mean more people. I mean the right people. You had the, the designer, you had the builder, you had the estimator, you had the mechanical engineer, you had the contracting person. You had the person that was the owner's rep stating what the requirements were and working hand in glove to be able to restate those in a fashion that could be executed in a quick way. I think that's the lesson that we can take away from from uh, the COVID experience. And there are many others, but this kind of change in mindset where you're working with each other and not against each other in a collaborative environment, I think is really the key. The other, the other thing I would like to sort of bring up here is that when you're thrown into these situations like COVID, you automatically form um, a business unit together. Uh, you're in business, whether you like it or not. You're either part of the contracting crowd or you're part of the builder crowd or the designer crowd. But that whole team coalesces very quickly into a business unit with a mission to provide that that facility quickly. So if we kind of think about it that way, where we're in business partnership, uh, that makes the conversations more frank, open, candorous, and frankly, more productive as you go forward. So it's beyond really the contract or the label that you put on it. It's really about forming up business units that uh, have the mission in mind to provide a facility or an asset somewhere. And I think it, as much as it is incredibly important to have co-located teams so that you can have on-site live decision-making, I think the other silver lining of COVID is that it is the rapid uptake of technology that allowed real-time collaboration. It, obviously, um, not 20, 24-7 is not what we want. We do want a, a, a reasonable work-life balance, but but the, the collaboration technology that got the uptake, the, the increased use of shared models 
and even some of the um, some of the the I maybe on the margins, but still very interesting. Um, you know, the lidar scans and the and the ability to remotely inspect work and dusty robotics that can you know a, a, a machine can lay out the the floor plan on the concrete slab. All of those things are are going to enable a a better delivery of this infrastructure. And it and it it is something that COVID kind of forced us to get our arms around quicker. When I think about how far how far we've come since you know the last big infrastructure push was 2009. I mean, you were both highly engaged already. I mean, Laura, you were at GSA and and doing yep. things with design build that was uh, very new for federal agencies. I mean, really pushing the envelope. Then I'm thinking yep. how far we've come and should be better prepared <laughs> this time around to make that work. I well. Speaking for from GSA alone, I do know that, and I suspect all agencies are like this. They saw infrastructure coming. Uh, unlike recovery, I, we we had very little time to react to that. Like sometimes thirty days, sometimes sixty days for some of the early requirements. But you could see infrastructure coming, and it gave an opportunity, gave space to have very thoughtful conversations about the best way to approach the work. And I think that that will pay off. Um, I also will say that, you know, Recovery Act, COVID, infrastructure, the thing about federal agencies, all of them, is that these become, these challenges turn into opportunities to push the envelope further out. Um, and I think we'll see that again. Agencies rise to that occasion. They do. And, um, you know, to, to amplify the collaboration idea, you know, uh, Laura's right, the technology that we were all forced to learn quickly was like getting your first PC and turning it on and going, oh my gosh, where's the button to get to the software, right? We're well past that. But um, what the collaborative environment have, has done is force the um, teams to be uh, cognizant of the kinds of information the other team members need to do their jobs, yeah. right? And technology has really pushed that. Uh, the other thing that uh, to me is really important is the personal interaction that people have. It's hard to do over the, over the wire, but once you have that relationship established with people, uh, it becomes much, much easier to collaborate, especially if you have like-mindedness about the outcome. Um, the collaborative environment uh, enabled by technology and sharing information is really what we're after. And I think the principle that the design build acquisition method uh, has as a fundamental cornerstone really gets us to that point. Um, it forces people to collaborate with shared information as part of the method by which people are put together. That's brilliant to me, which is why I I, I try and promote this idea uh, as as much as I can. And I, I think uh, DBI does a pretty good job at that too. I would agree. I, that, that collaboration is, is what has been found to fuel truly the creativity that maybe just the architect w wouldn't necessarily come up with that idea or just the contractor, um, the subs together is where they fuel that, that 
creativity that sounds like it's going to be critical to overcome the challenges we talked about briefly at the beginning between the workforce and the supply chain and the cost uncertainty. Yeah, I think um, the industry fueled by um, the imperative to manage risk in a risky environment um, is getting a little bit ahead of where the Fed, frankly, is able to catch up. I mean, the, this is not an indictment, but when you're used to doing something for many, many years uh, your way, and then other people bring better ideas, you're a little bit skeptical, right? Yep. And so this is a little bit of prove it, you know, but it's also been proven in the industry. There's many, many examples of how collaboration and these acquisition techniques produce terrific outcomes. Um, and sometimes we play catch up in the Fed a little bit, trying to get our processes to respond to modern ways of doing things, especially if uh, some things are out there and, and experimental, like LIDAR, like, uh, you know, robot measurement or some of these tools that are ubiquitous, frankly, in the industry, right? They're necessary, but they're also time and labor saving. So, so um I think uh, the more we're able to talk about that and share experiences and learn from industry, and then they learn from us and other projects, the better off we are. These forums are essential to do that. I agree. You know, the, the thing about the, the period of time between challenges in agencies is where agencies sort of codify what they learned. And it, then it kind of calcifies. So, uh, so to, the great leap forward here is, and the and the huge opportunity is that COVID and infrastructure are back to back. That it's just it's an accelerated period of learning. It's an, it's there's no time to kind of slip back into an old habit while you're still learning new ones. It's that's an, a wonderful opportunity. I will also point out that. You know, one of the main challenges that federal agencies face in terms of shortage of talent is shortage of contracting officers. Um, and one of the advantages of design build um, and and design build operate maintain, which is also available to federal agencies, is the reduction in the number of contract actions. And so a lot of agencies, FBI has, has been very explicit about this, are turning to design build because it leverages the workforce better. And it allows them to take to 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 use that very scarce talent in the most effective way. Yeah, that's a good point. And it does push, you know, us as feds into a different way of looking at the partnerships with industry. We have to be a partner and not an opponent. Right. Um, that's an important concept. If you're a partner, especially in this business transaction, um, you you got to behave properly. You got to have the right people. You have to have the right level of personal risk acceptance, uh, and you got to stretch it out a little bit. Uh, I would suggest that that this point in time in the AEC industry, especially with the Fed, it would be the best time to join a federal agency that has big infrastructure needs because you're going to learn a lot. Um, you know, especially if you've got a brain, you, you could actually make a huge contribution. And I see this in many of the agencies that uh, have the kind of leadership to, to take them to the next level. You are so right, Laura, though, about the contracting um, talent 
that's out there. It's, it's, there's less of us and less, um, experienced people that are willing to take risks. So what happens? You kind of fall back on what you know, and that may not be the best method to get the agency's mission completed. And we've talked too about, you know, federal agencies aren't a monolith. I mean, they really, they're all different. They have different expectations, different programs, and not every federal agency is getting some of this infrastructure investment, right? Oh, true. Um, you know, GSA for sure, Customs and Border Protection, you know, the GSA projects are land ports of entry for the most part. Um, but even the, even the agencies not affected by infrastructure directly, say the VA and Tom has been working with them, are, are you know, rethinking their real estate portfolio, rethinking how they buy uh, projects that, 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 enhance that portfolio. So even though they aren't a direct recipient, they are still leaning heavily into design build to rethink how they deliver their mission. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, in many agencies, unless they're pure infrastructure agencies, the facility function is really an augment to the mission. So, um, so that, that's, that's a mindfulness that I think the AEC industry is pretty sensitive to. Uh, they deal with the owner and portfolio management concept uh, in a sort of a one-off way when they deal with clients, but the Fed's different. It's uh, much more long-term. We're going to do it over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's a real opportunity, I think, to up the game on both sides to be able to provide the right kind of interface on the government side, but also the right people on the industry side that understand how to work with the government effectively. That's that's a that's a talent. Uh, it's also a skill set that many uh, design build teams have developed. Um, some of them have developed design build teams that are tailored specifically to the Fed, so that they can interface directly with the kind of contracting apparatus uh, that they need to to do their business. It shouldn't be that hard, though. Frankly, right? We should we should all be able to share the right kind of experiences so that we can better interface with industry their way, as opposed to them having to re-engineer their teams that are effective and do it our way. So I think there's a lot to be learned on both sides, but I think both need to come in the middle somehow uh, to amplify the talent of both. So labor savings, talent savings, talent economy, it just makes a stronger, more economical response to the infrastructure requirement. And, and to the thought that, you know, federal investments are for the most part, uh, th these are assets that are intended to last 50 to 100 years in many cases. Um, and so design excellence in its fullest definition, which is to say it includes operational excellence. It includes making decisions during design that ensure the long longevity, the long-term design excellence of that asset, that is really something that can be leveraged in an alternative delivery method like design build, where you bring the whole team together at the beginning and talk through those goals and make those decisions proactively. Um, and rather than getting all the way to the end with the design and, you know, and not understanding what the contractor could have brought to the table or the builder could have brought to the table or the electrical sub or the mechanical sub that would have enhanced that need to have a, have an asset that can go the distance. 
with so many issues to talk about it, you, know, you got to feel like the um, federal design build symposium couldn't come at a better time. I mean, honestly, you know, this month we're going to be talking about all of these things um, in a day and a half. It's, it is pretty jam packed. Um, what, what's your what's your hopes and goals for, for this event this year, particularly? Well, we're hoping to have something for everyone, which is to say we have two tracks. One is for people who might be just starting out with design build, and one is for people who are more experienced with design build. So we are trying to, to address the needs of, of an audience that's becoming um, increasingly, uh, on the one hand, sophisticated, and, and on the other hand, you know, there are agencies who are looking at FBI as an example, or GSA, or any of the rest, and saying, hey, if they can do it, we can do it. The Corps has been doing it. Navy's been doing it. So it'll be a way to kind of address the needs of people who are more senior practitioners and then also people who are just starting out. I think we have a great headliner. Daryl McKissick is going to be our keynote speaker. I'm really looking looking forward to what she has to say. But I think we have, we have 10 concurrent sessions and then three other general sessions. Um, and I think it'll be a great day and a half. Yeah. Just to, just to amplify that a little bit, the, the in-person availability of being able to share stories, say, hey, that person does this, go talk to them. Um, the, the ability for people to actually meet and learn from each other is, is the best benefit of having these conferences. And, and Kim's right, it is jam-packed, but it's jam-packed for a reason. We know people are busy. Uh, we know they have things to do. And so the appeal, I think, here is not to just those people that that have used it and are fans, but to bring people along that that uh, would benefit from learning some of the the ideas that other agencies are using. We have a lot of that. We have a lot of case study material, uh, you know, and I'm speaking specifically to the kinds of folks that you need on your team. Uh, the attorneys, the contracting officers, the contracting specialists, the, the management specialists in the field. Uh, leaders can say all day long, hey, I want speed to market, but this is a way to learn how to get there and a way to learn how to switch your mindset over to a collaboration uh, as part of part of that thing. So there's a little bit for the left-hand side of the brain in contracting and and. Uh, FAR council and all that sort of stuff, but there's also a lot of learning to do on the right-hand side too that brings people together in a collaborative environment. And DBIA usually does a very good job of taking care of people while they're there. So uh, we're looking forward to having you there. We have a couple of sessions I'd like to point out. We've got, um, I believe it's Fish and Wildlife Service, but they have a design build uh, Maytock that was directed for small businesses in remote areas and, and that that team will be here to talk about how they did that, the process they went through. Um, we have the DBE lead for uh, federal highways coming in to talk about her program and how they ensure that um, women and disadvantaged business entities are part of their acquisition strategy and how they prop that door open to make that a wider a set of opportunities for people. Really excited to hear what she has to say. Um, I think that the challenge for all of us in the search for talent is is not to slice up the same pie, but to make that pie as big as possible. 
to make the opportunities available to as many people as possible and to get those folks trained so that they can do it. Yeah. And we've got, frankly, agencies that have been in this game a while that are here to teach the sophisticated way they went about doing this and the kind of culture change necessary in these agencies. But we've also got agencies that are have learned from those folks and they're going, we want some of that. We'd like to learn more. And they're going to give us progress reports on on how they're doing in their journey with with using design build as a foundational element to their contracting apparatus. So uh, we're going to hear from um, from uh, states. We're going to hear from the Veterans Administration, um, all with leadership saying, look, speed to market's important. We need to work together as teams. I mean, the message has gotten out there. So uh, I think something's actually sticking, but it's also encouraging to see that there's people along all parts of the journey that are going to be helping us uh, learn together. The goal is always real world resources. You know, we want people to walk away with things that they can actually put to work right away. So it sounds like that's definitely that kind of program. And thank you both for playing such a large role in getting it there. We, we need people who are engaged to build these programs. We don't don't build them out of the air. They're built by people who understand the market, as you two obviously do. So we'll and see. And by DBIA, and by DBIA <laughs> staff, can I say? Oh, you all, I, you're so nice about always doing that, Laura. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. So we'll see everybody July 26th and 27th. It's the Hilton Crystal City in Virginia, and registration's still open. So there's there's that hard pitch. Go go register because it's not too late, right? Well, thanks, Very Kim. Good. Thanks, Laura. We'll see you Thank at the you. end of July. Looking forward to it. Thanks again to Laura and Tom for joining us. We really hope you'll join DBIA for invaluable networking and federal design build resources as we prepare for exciting times ahead. The Federal Design Build Symposium really is the perfect opportunity to get access to the agencies and teams leading the way in delivering infrastructure investment. Go to dbia.org slash conferences for details and to register. And again, thank you to USCAD for their support of Design Build Delivers. Find out more at uscad.com slash dbia.